0: Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Chapel Messages podcast, a ministry of Emmaus Bible College. Each episode is taken from a chapel message given here at Emmaus. For more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. Uh, I've, I've had a cold, so let's get that out of the way. It's pretty obvious. I, am a, I have a deeper voice than I normally have. So... I'll be trying out for bass in the choir um, this (laughs) afternoon, and then I'm going to pull out of that as soon as I get better. (laughs) I did get a COVID test. Since I'm on camera, I'm I'm COVID-free. Praise the Lord. Uh, Still, I don't like being sick. Getting better. Happy to be with you this morning. Glad to be up here. And uh, I'd just like to open up with a word of prayer as we begin. Uh, Heavenly Father, Thank you for the opportunity that we have to open your word and to look into it. We ask for your help, uh, Lord, for I ask for myself, from your spirit, to speak uh, your truth. And then for the listeners, Lord, to hear what you have to say. Not as from me, but as from you. So anything, Lord, that gets jumbled up that's mine, we pray that. That would be um, sifted through, and clearly we would each hear your word. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to take a sip of my tea real quick. I do have a cough drop. Hopefully it won't be distracting. I'm trying my best to, to be able to speak. <clears throat> okay. So I had uh, us read, again, what we read and what we've been going through in Ephesians. Thank you, Cobb, for reading that for us. And I just want to say a, a few things as we look at the helmet of salvation. Um, <clears throat> first, I'm assuming as we're going through this, you don't need a lot of convincing that helmets are important, right? Um, if you don't think helmets are important, is Jonathan Delaney in here? Um, okay. What? What? <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I appreciate you. I figured you could weather that, okay? (laughs) Um, You know who to talk to. Uh, (laughs) So I'm just going to get past that. Helmets are vital, right? And we think about battle and warfare, they're very important. We know that they're important for other things, right? Every time I ride my bike, I put my helmet on. Um, And I'm thinking bicycle. I'm not as cool as Jonathan is. Um, (laughs) Second, helmet of salvation because we are called to take the helmet up, um, I think what's inferred is not so much uh, that you need to be saved. I think that's, a, that's like necessary to even have the armor of God on you. You have to be his, right? But it's, it's something else. It's, um, I'll describe that a little bit more. So I'm not thinking in terms of you need to be saved, but you are saved, and therefore you can put on God's armor for yourself. So those are two important things. Helmet's important. It's not saying you need to be saved because it's, we're called to take it up. And then next, I just want to say that the battle is real. This is a real, real war that we are involved in. As a Christian, you don't really get a choice. You're, you're in a war. All my life, I've kind of dreamed of being in the military. And I've, uh, through movies, they've done me wrong. And I've gone off in my dreaming um, Mr. Riley you know how I like to dream um, and, and kind of romanticized war and then I, one day a friend woke me up and he's like that is stupid nobody wants to be in war I've never been in the military <clears throat> we can begin to think wrongly about it about warfare and the effects of it there are always casualties In regarding to the worldly warfare there is always sin involved it, there are horrendous things that always take place in war. Spiritual warfare is not very different. It's just we can't see our enemy. This is not, this is not um, the flesh that we're talking about in Ephesians 6, although that's not out of the picture. It's not the enemy within. Other scripture deals with that. But this, our enemy uses the, uh, the flesh, the desires that we have. He tries to stir them up. This is not the system of the world. That that, which is out there and enticing us, although Satan is the the ruler, the prince of the, the power of the air of this world, right? So that's a part of it. This is something different. This is spiritual by nature. This is the clash that we have with the spirit realm, with demons, with Satan, and those who follow him. This is a real battle. So let me make those statements, and then let's get into it. I think about Ephesians Um, 6 and verse 17. This first part of 17 is the helmet of salvation. We need to take this up. I want to just consider a little bit of what salvation is in regard to the book of Ephesians. So if you go to Ephesians chapter 1, and let's start reading in verse 7 to get some of the concept of the content of what Ephesians is talking about. Salvation is used once. We're going to look at that. And, so, and then the word uh, saved is used a couple of times. And we'll look at those as well. <clears throat> in him we have redemption through his blood, Ephesians 1, verse 7, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. According to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. We see this this beautiful reality, um, and I can sum up just a little bit, the the need that we have for salvation. It becomes a little clearer in chapter 2. We'll look at that as well. You and I, we need Jesus' blood shed for us to save us From our sins. And God has done that in a majestic plan that He set forth since the beginning of time. He knew it at creation, what was going to unfold, and what He was willing to do to save humankind. And He did that. And then Christ came and fulfilled the law of the Old Testament, fulfilled the scriptures, saying that He would do this. And now we are saved. And this is the great message that we have. It becomes a little clearer. Uh, in Ephesians two, and um, let me sip another part of my little bit of my tea. But we'll start in verse one and go one through one through nine. <clears throat> and you were dead in the trespasses and sins. So I want you to, as I read, take all these things into mind. Right, just kind of keep that in your brain, and we'll we'll talk about them uh, as I go on from here. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And it's, it's not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. I think it's the, the concept of <clears throat> the overarching um, plan, story of salvation that is at stake in regard to the spiritual warfare, and putting on the helmet of salvation. Um, and namely, as we read from uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, and if you want you can turn there, keep your finger over. I think this passage helps us understand a little bit about the focus of the helmet. Because there's, there's not too much there in, uh, in Ephesians. But 1 Thessalonians 5, 8 says this. says this in regard to the helmet. says at the end of the verse for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Here are these realities. Here are these truths that are, that are valid for every person. They coincide with what is real, with what actually happens presently, what will actually happen at the end of time. That we need Jesus, that we must be saved by him. We have to be forgiven of our sins. His blood must be shed. And we have to believe in that. And then at the end, where are we get to go? We have an eternal inheritance. We get to spend eternity with the Lord, not on the basis of our good works, but on the basis of the work that Christ has done. So this helmet, when we put it on, it's speaking to the hope that we have in regard to this salvation. Um, <clears throat> and we, I could say that when we think about Ephesians 6, it's important also to remember as we look at the individual pieces that it's a whole it's the whole armor of God that we're to pick up and to put on, okay? So I'm going to refer to uh, what Mr. Kuhneman mentioned in regard to a few of the arrows. I'm going to mention four of the arrows. I think he had five. At least that's what I had in my notes um, previously because I think they apply. There's a similar, a similar tactic the enemy is using in regard to the helmet of salvation. <clears throat> in regard to our hope of salvation, Mr. Cuneman's listed, here's the first arrow that I have, doubting God's word. We look about that in regard to salvation. Is salvation true? We may wonder. The enemy wants to tempt us up. Does this coincide with reality? Is the salvation the Bible speaks of, is that that true for me? Is that true for you? Is it true for everybody? We see relativism has crept in into our, our nation, into our world Right? It's so much so that pop culture now I'm seeing on TV, people speak of my truth. It's not a truth that's valid for everybody across all cultures, across all times. It's just something that they hold and they say, I believe this is true. This is what's right for me. Well, maybe this salvation is just something that I've thought of as right for me, but it's not right for everybody. Maybe I've I believed in vain. <clears throat> is salvation by grace through grace? through faith in Christ, true. Is this a universal thing? And it is. The Bible makes makes it very clear. This is not just true for me. This is true for all people at all times. The basis of your salvation, as we read in Ephesians 2, is, is not by anything that you ever could do. Ever. It's solely based on what Christ has done for you. And believing that, Simply believing that. So that was one arrow that he mentioned, doubting God's word. And so we look at the validity of God's word in in terms of salvation, this message, and the application of it for our lives. Two, fear for personal safety. Putting on this helmet, the hope of salvation. Can God deliver me? Will Will he pull through? Can I trust him? Is he good? When you get on the battlefield, when we get out there, our enemy wants us to to not think that there is real hope in God. So in the moment, one of the fears he puts before us is, says, your own life. Don't you value your safety? Let me tell you just personally. This is Dubuque we live in, and there are issues in Dubuque. Um, and, and we've talked about this, if you've talked with me a little bit. I, I grew up in Dallas. I grew up in, actually an hour north of Dallas. My neighbor, with less than a mile down the road, was murdered, execution-style. We've had lots of stuff happen. We lived out in kind of the country. <clears throat> I think more happened probably where I grew up than happens in Dubuque, OK? Well, granted, because I'm from a big city. But I move here, and there's a lot of fear in the body of Christ, just living in a certain part of town. Now, you don't need to live where I live, okay? But the body of believers, we don't need to fear. We need to go to these places that we're avoiding. Why? Because the message of salvation is true. Because God is good. Because God will protect you. But the enemy wants you to, to put your safety above the hope that you have in salvation. The hope that you can offer other people in regard to salvation. It says, no, no, no. Be afraid. Safety, safety. That's not the gospel message we preach. But we do preach a God who can save us from the fire if He wills. Right? So doubting God's word, fear for personal safety. Three, anxiety. And I think um, Mr. Kuniman, your reference was from a fee, or Exodus, excuse me, 16. Think about the great deliverance that God uh, displayed, redemption of Israel, freeing them from Egypt, bringing them out with a mighty arm, right? And th- even through the waters. And, and then the Egyptian army, they were destroyed before their very eyes. Did they have to do anything? No. They just had to stay there and watch and to see how God would deliver. And he continued to deliver. He continued to guide. He continued to help them even through the wilderness. Right, we we have fear. We have this this anxiety that wells up within us, wondering, will God follow through? And I don't know. Maybe He won't, and it, it's paralyzing. Right, I, I study Generation Z. That's most of you here, not all of you. Right, um, I do this professionally as part of my job. Right, I've got a few students who are, who are doing, uh, studying Generation Z right now, and some of you have done this already. One of the predominant things, and I'm millennial so I'm kind of like your big brother, because my sister is here. Well, there she is, hi. Um, <clears throat> we, we've having, we're having these issues with anxiety, and there's a, there's a direct connection with our anxiety and with the use of technology and social media. This isn't, you're so evil and wicked, you grew up into this and should have known better, um, but we have to address that. Our enemy is using this stuff to make us anxious, right? To keep us from fighting the battle that we're supposed to fight from putting on the armor of God. God will come through. Don't add to your anxieties, right? Let's let's get rid of the stuff that causes us more anxiety and then let's deal with the issues that we have with God in regard to whether he will be faithful, whether he can act and he can and he will be faithful. And then a fourth one, Another sip, real quick. Discouragement. Discouragement. This, um, this probably pertains to a few of you in, in all levels, but I think all of you at some point. <clears throat> in regard to the fail, uh, the failing or the unfulfilled efforts of the plan of salvation, God, you said you would save. You can think about that personally. God, you're, you're the Savior. You said you would deliver, but you didn't do it here. But you didn't do it there. But, et cetera, et cetera. And we become discouraged because we think God's not doing what he should have. And our enemy is so quick to point those things out, right? Our misreading of what God is doing in our lives, he says, oh, look, that's against you personally. You think really he's the Savior? Do you think he's about saving the world? well, the world, but maybe not you. Relationally, as we relate to one another, as we relate to people out in the world, etc. he begins to question deliverance and salvation, right? You've been working with this person. You've been trying to share the gospel of Christ with them. You've been learning about that in SLT seminar. Be clear, be clear, be clear, right? I could quiz some of you on this. Uh, Mr. Hernandez has done a good job. I'm not going to quiz you. I don't have the voice right now. Um, and I didn't print, print handouts. Um, you're sharing the gospel with somebody, and you think, maybe they'll come to know Christ. But it's a flop. Or you work, and you've been praying for your friend that you grew up with who doesn't know the Lord. Y'all you were, you, you you all were tight, but now you've kind of drifted, and, and they're still not saved. They still don't know Jesus. So there's... There's a personal, but there's also this relational discouragement. God, you said you want to save, but, but you're not saving. What's going on here? And then if I want to kind of keep with it, I would say ecumenical, personal, relational, ecumenical, but for simplicity, let's say church. Um, <clears throat> we look out at the church, and we can be discouraged. Have you read the Old Testament? You should all say yes, unless you're a first-year student, and you say, I'm about to finish it. Um, <clears throat> we read the Old Testament you know in Israel is, it seems like Israel is no different from the church and their failure and their misunderstanding and what they do and that tells us that God is the same God he's gracious he's long suffering have we, have we reached the ends of the earth with the gospel message no we haven't how am I doing reaching my neighbor not well right? Our enemy's trying to attack us, not just individually, but at large. And if you step back, you can become hypercritical. Been there, done that, still wrestle with that. Why aren't we mobilized? Why aren't we motivated? Why aren't we doing what we should do? And the enemy points at that. And he says, oh, why don't you point your finger and look over there and point over there? But as I think we'll we'll hear about next week from Doc Fish, prayer is a big part of all of this. Shut up, stop pointing, and pray. Right? So four arrows that I think pertain to the helmet of salvation, the hope that we have in regard to salvation, not I am saved, but the realities that the Bible speaks of, just doubting the validity of God's word, fear for personal safety, anxiety, and discouragement. Well, do you know what the help, the, the help, if I can speak, the hope, the help the hope and helmet are coming together at the same time the helmet of salvation provides the hope that we need to stand and to fight proverbs 30 verse 5 says this every word of god proves true he is a shield to those who take refuge in him john 17:17 17, 17, jesus says sanctify them in the truth and he says your word is truth There are many more passages that we could cite. The Bible says that this is not a truth, but the truth. And there are not certain words that are true. All the words are true. God has given us the Bible as he wants us to have it, and it's valid, and it applies to us now as much as it did to Abraham, or Abram, and then he became Abraham, right? As much as it will to my grandchildren. And however, you know, Lord willing that that happens, uh, and however much further the Lord tarries in coming. It applies to all people, all cultures, all time. It's true. First Thessalonians verse 5, verse 9. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9 says this. <coughs> God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Verse 8 says, It's the helmet, the hope of salvation. And then it goes on and it talks about the realities of salvation. You are not destined for wrath if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he's forgiven you from your sins, that he paid the penalty. When you meet the end of your days... You will will not cease to be. You will not wake up in torment. There will be no wrath for you. This is real. You will wake up and you'll be face to face with Jesus. There's hope, there's salvation through him. Right? And I love the comfort of verse 10. Whether now I'm awake or when I sleep, I die, we will be with Jesus. This is the reality. Satan so wants to attack our hope in that reality of salvation. No, 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 that's not valid. He'll do anything. So we go and live our lives as if this is not our eternal destiny. And that this destiny is not the eternal reality where we're going or hell, the lake of fire, is not the eternal reality for all people. But we know it's true. God's word says it's true. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, when, when they think that everything is hopeless, they're about to give way to despair. Suddenly they shall see the Son of Man coming, riding upon the clouds of heaven, King of kings, Lord of lords. When the enemy, the enemy tells you to give up and give in, that you are hopeless, that you are losing, the answer is hope. The hope of glory the hope of his coming. The night, people say, is darkest right before the sunrise. That's the reality in a spiritual war. You You will want to despair. You will want to give in. Praise God. God gives you his armor. It's his. Put it on. You can hope, not because you can hope in salvation. You can hope in God's salvation because God's helmet is offered to you. We can overcome the darkness even when it's at its darkest moment. God stands through. And let me remind you, from the point of anxiety, stand back and see what God will do. Just wait. Don't give in to despair. Let me go to two applications, or a couple main headings at least. One If we're distracted from living the Christian life, I don't think we're wearing the armor. I don't think we're wearing the armor. We have to take it up, up. we have to put it on. Satan wants to keep you distracted. Soldiers aren't distracted, they're focused. 2 Timothy 2 3 says, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits. It's his aim to please, since it is his aim to please the one who enlisted him. Furthermore, Hebrews 12 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, coming out of chapter 11, let us lay aside, also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Be single-minded and get rid of distractions. They're not worth it. They're not worth it. Um, I can't come up with another good example that I think maybe applied to all of us, but social media is a prevalent one. It's not wrong to be on there. But just go and listen to some testimony of people who've who've gotten rid of that. It, it doesn't have to be social media. It could be games, okay? It could be it could be movies. It could be good things that we do too much of, and Satan says, "Yeah, enjoy that, right? Enjoy that." We've had enough. Let's focus. Let's fight this battle. Be single minded as a good soldier. And look at Jesus. Look how he was not distracted. There was no sin, and there was there was no. Uh, nothing that distracted him from his end goal. So let's focus as Jesus did. Last point. Remember what is true and encourage one another in this regard. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Have you given way to despair or to some of these these arrows, these things that make you not hope in salvation any longer? I think probably have and probably are, right? I'm still wrestling through some of these. I had something happen to me a few years ago that I can only characterize as a a spiritual attack, um, but it was multifaceted. And as I I look back and I'm prayerfully trying to discern what has happened and people Share the Lord's, share God's word to me and speak to me and pray for me. It's obvious. Satan said, I want to destroy the hope that you have. Whether I destroy the validity that God is good, that the eternal end, the destiny that you will meet will be there, or at least the, the trip along the way. I want to attack you in any way possible that I can to trip you up, to not have this helmet, this hope of salvation on your head, to be able to fight the battle, to stand firm. We need to encourage one another. I needed a lot of encouragement. I needed counseling. I needed prayer. And I just needed time. This isn't time to pull out a Christian cliche thing and say, get over it. Try harder. You know, if you're trying to run your best time, you're trying to get your layup down, you're trying to hit more threes, if you're uh, you're trying to kick a, a goal from... Uh, halfway across the field, we can say, try harder, do, do more work there. That's appropriate. But in regard to discouragement, in regard to um, despair, be with one another. So I'm here with you. I'm praying with you. It may take a long time for us to come out, but we want to come out. We need all the soldiers we can get, right? We need one another. We need to be there for one another. And as we build each other other up and we do it in truth, it changes us. Let me read just a few samplings. Psalm Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2. Listen at how this person, as they're centered on God's word, how how they're characterized. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor, nor stands in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. He doesn't do these things. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. Psalm 119, verse 1. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Free yourself from distractions, the unnecessary ones. Be single-minded in your focus and help each other. Be patient with one another. And in all this, we've got to come back to what is true, to this. May this fill our mind. May this fill our time, right? And then what happens? We live differently. We're changed by it, right? We start seeing the armor on us. We start engaging in warfare, and we will be tested further. But God is strong, and he offers us not our own armor, He says, you can use mine. It's his strength that we are strong in. Let's pray. Father, we we all have a long way to go. The battle rages on. The decisive victory has already been accomplished. Christ on the cross. How do we know that you were victorious? You were buried, but you rose again, and that is true, and we know it from your word, and your word proclaims all the witnesses that were there, hundreds that saw you, Jesus. You are victorious over our enemy, so we are fighting an enemy that is defeated foe. His time is short, but he wants to. He wants the souls of the lost not to be saved. And he wants to render the saints useless. Lord, we ask for your help. We ask, Lord, I ask for your clarity on my life and in our lives here. What are those things that are keeping us from engaging in the battle? What are the issues that we're wrestling with in regard to the hope of salvation? Bathe us in your truth of your word, Lord, and make that clear to us, that we pray that we might fight the good fight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Chapel Messages podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu slash